Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sports Talk with Tonsoni, brought to you by Delphi Bracketology, another episode, the final episode of Bracket U, where we will explain our seeding, where we did well, and what we got wrong in predicting the bracket, and a little bit of the preview of the NCAA tournament that we're all excited about uh, starting this week. But first, a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. And we're back here on Bracket U. I'm Brian Tonsoni. Uh, our Delphi Bracketology Club put a lot of hard work and effort into it, and overall our score was down this year from about 15 spots from our average. Our average is about 353 in the three years that we've done that, and we're going to be around 337, 338. Uh, we selected 67 of the 68 teams correct, which is the second best for us in the four years, uh, besides a perfect score in 2017. We also um, usually are in the uh, 43-44 correct seating. Uh, this year we only had 37. We, we did have 63 teams correct or within one seed line, so we were only uh, missed one uh, with Belmont being in for TCU as our only miss, and four others were off uh, two seed lines. We had the correct team in, but we were off by a few seed lines. One of the things that we're proud about is the process for our young men, the ability to think and, and look. We have relied heavily on the past in scoring 351, 352, and 357 on heavy resume, including wins, and we continued that into this year. And what we knew could happen is that every committee uh, tends to favor some different criteria as uh, two members fall off the NCAA committee and two new members join in, it could always swing enough. And we felt that it it did, especially in the middle, uh, eight to 12 seeds. The criteria shifted a little bit this year away from who you beat and how many teams you beat to uh, what your record was and how many overall losses and, and maybe some look at um, you know how well you did uh, in, against the competition that you played and especially some road record type of thing. So we learn. And one of the things that we share with our group that when we're making decisions and things uh, inside the group don't go your way, that's a lesson in life. And we also look back and, and say that every setback, if this is a setback, uh, is an opportunity to learn for next year. So we have already put this year's seed list on our list and sorted them so that we can see maybe what the committee was looking at. And we're going to share a little bit of that information with you uh, as well. So we'll get to this and we'll send a podcast out Monday night and then it's on to watching the games and 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 predicting who's going to win and enough of the what seed line is everyone going to be. But I think it helps um, the casual fan. I think it helps uh, the bracketologist who, who we might be helping uh, to understand some of the, the process. So here's the 2019 uh, NCAA bracket reveal. Uh, conversation from Delphi Bracketology. The first thing is the committee uh, is tasked with a very tough job, and, and I, I personally have a lot of respect for the committee members and the work that they do. <clears throat> and it's never easy because teams left out are always going to be a little bit upset, and there's always going to be a team seated a little higher, a little lower than some people think. And since we've been involved since 2015, five years of doing this, four years in the bracket matrix, uh, we, we get a lot of this on social media too, that 
if you don't understand the process, it gets to be very confusing why the committee does what they do. And so this podcast here is trying to explain uh, the good men and women on the committee uh, what they did and where we were a little bit off and and maybe uh, just some some conversations along those lines. But the first thing, the committee selected 68 outstanding teams. Uh, Belmont was the one team that we missed, and this uh, our club has no problem with Belmont being in the tournament. We think Coach Bird does an excellent job. We think that conference uh, was pretty good, and the, and the battle in the championship was was close. And we we spend time on the resume, and we felt Belmont's resume, especially their 180, 190 strength of schedule, had never been selected before. Uh, I think the highest was 112 or something along those lines. And so we had a few outliers that we said this cannot happen. And one of the outliers was you cannot be less than four games over 500. And that did play out. Florida was 19 and 15. They got in because they were four games over 500. Alabama at three games over 500. Creighton at three games over 500. And Indiana at two games did not meet that outlier of a criteria and even though their resume was good so so we correctly left those teams out of the tournament Uh, we just didn't feel that Belmont's resume but one of the things that we are happy for is that maybe they're doing some basketball look the whole eye test that everyone wants the committee to do and they get a lot of information from their uh, regional uh, ranking committees that the bracketologists don't get it makes our job very difficult because we have numbers to look at. So in the past, when the numbers really were the top criteria, it was a lot easier for us to make the decisions. And we're going to have to make that a- adjustment, uh, especially when it gets down to the lower seed. So the overall take is the committee did a good job in selecting teams. There's no issue with what teams are in. The difference is uh, for us this year was was seeding, but uh, if we look at seeds one through seven, we, we really have very little problem. Where we missed, we understand. Uh, we understand North Carolina being a one seed. Our belief was Tennessee had a better overall resume. Uh, you know, basketball-wise, I think there can be an argument that North Carolina is a better team. Uh, so there, there were we felt there were six or seven teams that deserved a number one seed. And we, we just selected uh, Tennessee, and it didn't work out. Um, the two seeds, we, we understand where they come from. We understand the three seeds. We, we made a, a decision, and I think a good decision, to move Kansas and Florida State up based on resume, 11 quad one wins and eight quad one wins for Florida State, uh, above Purdue, who was seven and seven in quad one. And that's the decision where we, we stuck to the numbers and – we're okay with that. We had good reasoning, and we talked out the reasoning. But we had Purdue and LSU at the three line for a month. And then just based here at the end, when we looked at the numbers at the very end, we thought Purdue and LSU had been passed, and it turned out that they weren't. That's no issue with the committee. We understand that. Uh, Virginia Tech moving up to a four was a little bit of a surprise for us. We missed that, probably because they're getting their point guard back. And um, – you know, their net was number 11. I ha- We have no problem seeing that. And Wisconsin was the team that we had as a four that got moved down. And they have a double-digit losses. And we think the committee really looked at losses. Uh, they really did not like uh, the double-digit losses. And if you had double-digit losses, you had to have something else on the resume to, to be seen good in, in their light. And I think Wisconsin moving down 
uh, was was one of those examples. But Buffalo as a six, we were we made that switch late. We had Iowa State up at a five and had a Mississippi State. Again, a slight miss for us, but that cost us some four points in the overall bracket matrix. Uh, both teams had eight and seven quad one records. Uh, the difference for us was Iowa State had six 1A wins versus two from Mississippi State, and th that was new on the sheet, and we, we assumed that they were going to be looking at the the top tier of wins in quad one and and quad two, and Iowa State had six in quad one and three, which was better than Mississippi State's two and one. Uh, so, you know, 23 and 10 and 23 and 11, strength of schedule favored Mississippi State. Again, in evaluation, strength of schedule numbers, I think, played out in a tie. Uh, but again, those are some reasonings where we, we don't necessarily agree with the committee, but we can understand. You know, Louisville at a seven. We had Louisville at a six. Again, uh, we thought they were a little bit better, but that's just one seed line off. And uh, so, so we felt one through seven even though we made some decisions late and, and there were one seed lines off, there were no glaring differences between what was done in the past and what was done this year. It's when you get to the eight seed line, nine seed line, and the 10 seed line where our resume emphasis uh, was no longer used by the committee. And, and again, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth the committee. They're entitled to doing that. But VCU, Syracuse, uh, Old Miss, and Utah State are the eight seeds, and, and three of those teams, uh, here are their total quad one and two wins. VCU has a total of five. Syracuse has a total of six. Um, Old Miss, seven, and Utah State, five. That's total quad one and two wins. Seton Hall had seven quad one wins altogether. You add their seven quad two. And they had double the amount of wins in the top two categories stated by the NCA. Quad one and two are your better wins. They had 14, and the closest number eight seed only had seven. And when you look at the tier 1A and tier 2A um, numbers, Seton Hall had two and one and was somewhat similar to those teams in the eight or nine, the quantity wins. But those numbers are staggering for us. Uh, we had Seton Hall as an eight. They were a 10. We had Minnesota as an eight. Probably we were wrong there. They probably were more like a nine seed, but they had 12 over seven of Old Miss. Um, so Seton Hall and Minnesota, I think their nets were high. And maybe the committee, again, thought 57 and 61 versus VCU 34 and Utah State 29. And if that means more basketball analysis is being done, then I'm going to say that's a good thing. And we, we believe this. We believe the committee can still have some mystique and mystery and still do their job with a lot more clear criteria. Uh, the, the, the transparency is important, and they've gone to that with the release of team sheets and the information that they're doing and the reveal uh, a month early because they caught a lot of flack for a long time with seeding when no one knew the process and no one, you know, some bracketologists were starting to do that but the information was not out. Now that the information is out, the problem is switching from one year to the next to a different set. And, and within, within what we think is one year, one through seven was looked at in one way. And then the clouded, difficult eight through 12 seeds were looked at a little bit different. And um, again, 
they do a good job. They have a tough job in watching games throughout, so I will always defer to the committee. Brian Tonsoni would rather see wins than losses, especially when you believe the Big 12 and the Big 10 took a hit. Going on the road in the Big 12 and going on the road in the Big 10 is brutal. And, and Michigan loses at Penn State. Maryland loses at Penn State. And I think that the Big 10 got punished for road records and, and losing on the road. But when you have a quality conference, 1 through 14, uh, the Big 12, 1 through 10, and play round robins, I think you're going to add up road wins. And when you have weaker conferences, you're going to get road victories. I think that is just common sense. So on a personal basis, I understand why they did that, and they did that, and they did it consistently. And I think that's what we as fans should ask the committee to do is set their criteria and do it consistently. Well, Delphi Bracketology set their criteria at the beginning of the process in January, and we stayed consistent to ours, and it didn't turn out uh, to score as high as we wanted to. Um, but we're very proud that we were consistent uh, for the most part uh, in our rankings. And when I mean consistent, it doesn't mean every decision, but I mean not 85 to 90 percent of your decisions need to be based, maybe even more, need to be based on that you know, we kept Gonzaga number one seed, even though their resume didn't deserve it. Um, we had Nevada as a seven, even though their resume did not deserve necessarily a seven. So there were a couple decisions that we made that were outside the resume. But boy, would we like to have a little bit of uh, understanding and clarification. I still think that there will be uh, a bracketology world if the committee comes out and says, you know, quad one and two wins are the first criteria and then we're going to balance that with losses. And, and the real segment that I think the NCAA needs to look at is the strength of schedule number. Um, again, I have we have good followers, uh, Terry Scanlon um, on the Delphi Bracketology, big VCU fan, and, and VCU's a nice club, and we wish them well. But when they play 23 games against quad three and four, and their strength of schedule is uh, – a two non-conference and a 53 overall, and they get awarded because they don't have losses, um, that sends one signal. And then the NCAA leaving out North Carolina State, who had a bad schedule strength, um, in one way you're saying you rack up wins and avoid losses against um, weaker competition is good. Uh, but if you play too many, it's not good. And if you play tough schedules like – you know, Minnesota, Iowa, Seton Hall, um, TCU getting left out, um, Baylor and Oklahoma being down a seed line, Kansas being down a seed line, uh, Iowa State being down a seed line, and mostly because of their in-conference road losses. I, I think uh, that, that to me, is a focus um, that is misguided a little bit, and, and – I hope it doesn't come across as sour grapes for, because we didn't score as well. Uh, but overall record should not mean uh, automatic seeding. And um, I do think loss avoidance is, is important. Uh, but VCU lost three games in quad three, but they get rewarded because they only had seven total losses. Uh, so um, good for VCU. Congratulations on their eighth seed. Uh, and again, no ill will. We included them in the bracket. Uh, we just think seeding – here's the point, and for all the bracketologists, you can tweet at me if you agree or disagree. 
I think getting in, you have we have no problem with looking at overall record, and the VCU has less opportunities, and the Utah States and those teams have less opportunities. So for selection, we can understand a 26-7 and seven team not playing, not having a lot of wins getting in because we placed them in our bracket. But the seeding, the teams should be seeded higher who have shown that they can beat people. And, and part of that is winning on the road, uh, but 14 wins for Seton Hall and almost a Big East championship as a 10 seed, beating Kentucky um, early on. Uh, how the losses take away from that is, is simply a little bit disturbing. So um, with that being said, that's a little bit of our reasoning. We, we at Delphi Bracketology need to focus on the automatic qualifiers. We lost a few points in there. But again, we feel pretty good because where we lost points, a lot of times we had a team – at 20 and on the NCA seed overall, and the uh, NCA had them at 21, and that was a difference between a four and a five seed. So we lost two points uh, because we were just one spot off. And I think that we had 63. Um, we we had about no 61 teams that were really close within two or th three or less uh, of the actual seed line. Uh, it just happened to be a lot of those. Uh, it cost us two points because those smaller errors were a difference between a six and a seven or a four and a three. And um, we got the benefit of that probably in, in the previous years where uh, we got the points because we were right there. So that happens. Um, we feel good about the process. We feel good about the consistency. And nonetheless, it's great for young people to be critically thinking and communicating and debating and, uh, it's good interaction for our teachers and students. So I want to give a great shout out to all of our regular fans and our diehard fans uh, and all of our fans and followers on Twitter at, at Delphi Brackets. We're almost to 3,000. Uh, we started the, the year around 1,200. Uh, we doubled that, uh, almost 1,000 followers in championship week. I appreciate the Indiana media from um, Nathan Baird and and Jeff Rabjohns and Zach Osterman in the Indianapolis, IU, and Purdue market. Uh, been on the radio at Orlando, Florida. Had a few donations given to us by followers. It's remarkable. Uh, we hope you stay with us. Uh, we hope to do better for you next year. Uh, we hope to stay with us and, and talk a little bit here um, in the NCAA tournament, but look forward to next November when we can start this thing back up. So, Enjoy your brackets. Fill them out correctly. Start watching the games tomorrow. Enjoy basketball. It's been a privilege bringing you information. So for Delphi Bracketology and Bracket U and Sports Talk with Tonsoni, this is Brian Tonsoni saying enjoy March. It's been awesome. So long.